everyone, and welcome to Americon Dreams. I'm Caitlin. I'm Jenna. The British monarchy is rooted in tradition, an obvious statement. As times change, the monarchy has had to adapt a lot of their traditions to continue its mission as the national identity of the United Kingdom and as a spotlight to important causes. However, one thing hasn't changed, their love of dogs. Puppies. There's just something about seeing a royal with a dog that makes them just seem, you know, more relatable. Their, their little canines don't have a clue who their owner is, that they're a queen, a king, a duke, or a duchess. Just that the pups love them really unconditionally. And I think that's something many of us can attest to in our life if we're so, so lucky to have the love of a dog. Uh, so on this episode, Jenna and I will be looking at a few of the prized pups of British royals that have been spoiled throughout history. They've had a bigger impact than you think. How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing good. Uh, I have an interesting story, but how are you doing? I'll get to that in a moment. Well, I'm good. I'm just going to give our listeners a heads up that for the first time ever, I am not in the same room with you right now. So it's that a little weird. I am so I'm all alone in the nerd basement. I know. I'm in my second bedroom with all of the organizational mess I've made because I'm trying to create an organized closet. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting since this time, you know, I'll have my own microphone. We won't be sharing one. So we'll see. Hopefully things sound good. But I still would I like... I think they will. I mean, I, you know, I'm an expert, you know, producer of editing. Yes. So I'll figure it out. Definitely. So that when we merge our two files, it'll sound great. Yes. <laughs> Bear with us, but, everyone, I guess is what yes. I'm saying. <laughs> But yes, if you notice something off, just let us know. Uh, We'll give you the contact information at the end of the show. As usual. But yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm just cruising through life. But you just sent me an interesting text the other day, and I've been waiting to hear your story ever since then. Yeah. No, uh, I've never... So I've never had, like, a a dream, like, where I've, you know, obviously a sleeping dream where I've met, (laughs) like, Will and Kate... And I had one, and I'm very excited to share it with all of you now. All right. Uh, Because I often try to, like, think about what I would say if I ever met Kate in person. And because I don't want to scare her. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a crazy person, so that I understand, like, yeah, I don't want to scare her. I don't want to make her feel uncomfortable. But I do also need to let her know that she's very important to me. Yeah. Would it be like, but anyways. I know I mentioned Parks and Recreation every single week, but um, that part where um, Leslie Nope meets M- Michelle Obama uh, <laughs> when she's interviewing and she just like has tears in her eyes and is just like trying to high five her in slow motion. See, see, that's what I fear that I would be trying to do or like when, yeah, when Leslie Nope meets like Joe Biden. Or that, yeah, which well, yeah, worse. trying to like kiss him and he's like, whoa. Right, exactly. Like that's not, what, that's the exact opposite. I want her to feel like she could be like oh my god this person's normal i should invite them out to lunch mm-hmm. so i, I want to trick her essentially right pretend you're like oh who are you i'm sorry i have no idea right just be like so cool and just be like so level-headed um so i often think about what i would say and i'm still not quite sure yet because i'm pretty sure i will never meet her but well who knows? anyway yes so <laughs> so for my dream <laughs> what happened was so in my dream, my husband and I were, we were, we were Paul and I were in London mm-hmm. and we were having a picnic 
I'm not even sure. It probably was in like Hyde Park or something. Or and, was it? Um, yeah, we had the Ken. What's what's the? Is that the one that's next to Kensington Palace? I, or no, that's oh God, is that I Kensington Gardens? That. I mean, it's like, I, yeah, there's Kensington Gardens. Yeah, which has got like the lake and all yeah. of that. Um, but yeah, I was in some sort of green space, and we were having a picnic, and we had our baby. Okay. And it was a baby boy, so I was like, oh my gosh, is this, like, my dream also telling me, like, the sex of my child since we're not finding out? But who knows? Anyways, and so Paul goes off in my dream, and I'm still with the baby on, like, the blanket, and he runs into Will and Kate, and he's like, oh my gosh, I totally know who you guys are, Mm -hmm. and my wife would be so, like, overwhelmingly excited to meet you, but she's going to freak out, so I've decided that... I'm not, I'm going to let you guys go along your way and just keep going because she'll just freak out. No. And you guys don't need that right now. What? I know. I was like. How dare you? I know. And I got kind of mad at Paul when I woke up Mm -hmm. from the stream. But because Will and Kate are such wonderful people, they were like, oh, Paul's really chill. We'll we'll (laughs) be happy to go meet your wife. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, they came over and we, you know, we got talking about children since, you know, then I have a baby with me. Yeah. And um, George and Charlotte and even baby number three, their baby number three were not there. So mm. that was my dream. And then it kind of ended. So then I woke up really mad at Paul that he was going to deny me what I so How dare he have wanted. How dare he? I know. I hate that. <laughs> That's always so funny when you have a dream where like your significant other or friend does something like that makes you really mad and upset with them. And then you wake up and you can't, you actually are mad at them in real life too. But I feel like Paul deserves you to be, you to be mad at him for even in dream state, not instantly dragging or like calling out to uh, you. Right. And yeah. And I told him probably about an hour ago about this dream. And he said, that sounds like a jerk move. I don't think I would have done that. So I, I, it makes me feel good that if he ever does run into them and I'm not with him at that moment, that he, he will, you know, let me know. And yeah, you've discussed it at this point. He, he now knows where, where you stand on this, that even if he, or you believe that you would embarrass yourself by, by reacting weirdly to meeting the Cambridges, you should. He needs, still needs to introduce you. Exactly, because yes. it's like they probably have to deal with weirdos all the time. Yeah. So I'm sure that I'm not the craziest person they've ever met. So probably not. But yeah, that was my dream. Um, I hope I will have another dream where I will actually get more conversation with them. Since if I did co- have a conversation, I do not remember it from my dream. I just remember I was really mad at Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can just say, like, if if you end up having a boy baby, then that means that this dream accurately predicted the future, in my opinion, and so that you should prepare yourself to meet the Cambridges, because you're clearly a fortune teller. Yeah, that would be awesome. So I hope so that I am actually a prophet or of some sort. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, On my end... I don't, I'm not much again is really happening here. I don't know. I'm being awkward at this moment. It's weird talking to yourself in a room by yourself. Anyway. I know. I, I'm looking, I have like, I'm using both screens right now. And I'm like, oh, I have so much information in front of me. Yeah, I've got my iPad out because my, um, my computer kept like being really slow or it kept interfering with the, the recording call when I would be trying to look up the important news articles that I have to reference for our first segment. Oh, yes. 
And I know. We have, surprisingly, we have a lot of news from several different royals. So yeah, well, and very compared to last week, where we kind of glossed over a few things, so we could get to the big news topics. We yeah, and it, I mean, calling back to last way. week, I do have one. It's not quite a correction, but it's an update. I was talking about, um, or I mentioned there was a the a tabloid, a British tabloid that had a funny cover related to um, speculation that Will and Kate got pregnant on their Poland trip, and I did some more. I fa- I managed to find that, and it is uh, the September fifth uh, cover of the Sun. So that's all you need to know right off the bat is that we're talking about the sun here. (laughs) And their pun uh, headline is the Warsaw Act, which is apparently a play on the Warsaw Pact. And it said child number three for Wills and Kate conceived on Poland trip. And then it's the image of them toasting. um, And it's when they were uh, at the when Kate was wearing that one white dress that was kind of the 3D skirt with the weird cut and her big pearl. And the black. Yep. And the black. Uh, Like. Yeah, the belt. A whole lot of dress is what you referred to it. Yes, a whole lot of look, and um, a whole lot of look. Yes. Yes, in the again, it, that's Tim Gunn's word. But it's a picture where Kate is looking adoringly at Will's, and they have photoshopped a thought bubble onto it, and it is a "Do Not Disturb" sign hanging on a doorknob, inside the thought <laughs> bubble. <laughs> like Kate is staring at him and like thinking of their <laughs> hotel room later. And then it has in very small <laughs> letters, it says, look of lovemaking, Kate and William on Poland visit. And it's horrifying. And I can't, like, what? It's so weird. It's so weird. But just yeah. the thought bubble oh with God. the do not disturb sign is, I mean, oh, God, tabloids. It's not even good. Like, yeah. it's not even good Photoshop. But it's, it's. I thought it was pretty funny. So that was just my update. Right. Um, because I did laugh yeah. really hard when I saw that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they. I mean, they don't. They don't really put you know much work into their stories. No. Or at least the research and you know, fact checking. So why would they do it for their their graphics? Right. They've got an intern who knows how to use Microsoft Paint. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. all you need. I could do that. I'm so. I'm really good at using Microsoft Paint. Like, Me too. I'm pretty amazed sometimes at like some people are like, oh, we should Photoshop them. Like, no need. Should I tell I the like, hilarious the paint out? Should I tell the hilarious story about the time we got in trouble for <laughs> yeah. using Microsoft Paint in eighth grade? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Caitlin and my friendship, we, we've known each other for a long time. Our moms were friends um, before we were born, but we didn't go to the same elementary school. And we met each other really and became friends in eighth grade uh, or in junior high school. And specifically in our eighth grade um, earth science or astronomy class, was it? It must have been earth sciences slash astronomy. Yes. And we did a PowerPoint presentation. It was, yeah. Yeah, together. And um, as part of this PowerPoint, we had to talk about the life cycle of stars. And so we we had an amazing PowerPoint. We, um, when we talked about supernovas, we had the song, uh, the Supernova Girl from from Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, the classic Disney Channel original movie. And then in uh, we also had a star is born from Hercules play when we got to that part of the presentation. And then we uh, had to cover three um, astronomers as part of our presentation. And the three astronomers were Edwin Hubble, Albert Einstein and Stephen Hawking. 
Okay, so we're f- how 13 or 14 at this point? Yeah, I think so. And I don't think we knew. Mm-hmm. I definitely did not know who Stephen Hawking was at that point in my life. No. And, I mean, I knew Hubble because, you know, like. I, yeah, I'd heard. Telescope. I'd heard of the telescope. I knew who Einstein was because that you, f- oh, duh, you figure yeah. out pretty pretty <laughs> early on. But um, the we, you know, using Google image search, we're trying to get pictures for our <laughs> presentation and we find just happen happen to find two uh, a photo of Einstein and a photo of Hubble where they're both smoking pipes. So we decide we want to try to find one where Stephen Hawking is smoking a pipe. Obviously, again, we don't know anything about Stephen Hawking except that he's an astronomer at this point. And then we couldn't find one, so we decided to oh god, we decided <laughs> to use Microsoft Paint to draw a pipe um, in, in a rudimentary Photoshop attempt. And then we got, um, kind of lectured by our teacher and then we quickly figured out why that was not okay. And it was like, <laughs> oh my God, why did we do that? But I also still think it's like, I still think it's amazing. I, cause at least we were really committed to, you know, being, you know, you know, we wanted them all to have a similar, yeah, life. we wanted a, an overarching theme and we were idiots and didn't know anything. It's, it's the school right. system's fault that we didn't know anything about Stephen Hawking at that point. I mean, we weren't too young to know, but um, right. yeah, so, and we did not end up using that rudimentary Photoshop paint image in our presentation, obviously, once we figured out why that was not yeah. okay. <laughs> and we did end up winning the best presentation. We did. Because we were best female and male presenter. Yeah, we were. We were so good that they didn't even give one of the guys an award. Yeah. We like we had like prizes. We like puffy painted like t-shirts for people who got questions yeah. right on our quiz at the end. We just destroyed it. We did. I think we got like yeah. 115% so, on the in that class. Or we, I I We did. It was so good. Yeah, I think I I think I yeah, it was over 110% was like my grade and I was like this is amazing. She gave yeah. so much good if extra only credit. if only that was what happened to me when I went to do organic chemistry in college and not a not a D. <laughs> Why can't I just pass organic chemistry by um by making a really sweet PowerPoint, you know? Right. Th- those things matter now. I know. know. The special details, the creativity, that's what people want. Showmanship. From their, their, their employees. Yeah. So I think we were really ahead of the curve. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that was a long aside, but um, talking about how great we are at Microsoft Paint, but... <laughs> anyway but we're really good at it we are so if you have any i mean i'm obviously pretty i drew our corgi and we'll talk more about corgis later in this episode yeah i get to use my creative outlet on this show maybe we'll put together an amazing powerpoint presentation (laughs) or something actually um have saved a bunch of photos of royals with their dogs yay and um there's some ones that are pretty funny so i'm gonna use those to promote this episode um there's some there's one I'm gonna send you of Prince Harry okay with some dogs and it's pretty funny he's like probably like 15 or 16 years old it's oh really yeah it's funny. yeah I think I might have seen you that one seen but I'll now. still be happy yeah. to look at it again um and then I had just one just not a correction but more yeah just an additional information so we had talked about last week about um that Will and Kate uh won a privacy um suit that they filed against Closer Magazine in France and also the paparazzo who took the, the topless photos of Kate. And I referenced that the um, 
the publisher closer was fined fifty thousand pounds. I said dollars also, so just my U.S. centric life. Yeah, to, you know, become more global or something. Uh, but what I forgot to mention because it wasn't in the Washington Post article that I was reading off of was that the paparazzo was also fined fifty thousand pounds, so a total of a hundred thousand pounds to um, Kate and Will. So yeah, so that. That's significantly more money than we said last week. Uh, obviously not the 1.6 million that they, you know, asked for, uh, but still higher than most people have gotten. And also it kind of sucks if you're a paparazzo getting fined $50,000 versus like a news outlet getting 50,000 yeah. pounds, you know? So yep, I think that That's has a, a little bit more uh, teeth to it than uh, just getting the, um, the publisher. So just wanted to make that correction and, whatnot since we're all about uh transparency here we're all about the facts we're 100 we percent accurate all the time right yeah that's us indeed indeed <laughs> yeah well now that we've set those things straight um let's talk about the news of the week so i will start by talking a little bit about charles and camilla and i will say that you know we received criticism that we don't talk about them enough and i realized one reason I might not have been keeping up on them as much as I was not following Clarence House on Instagram for whatever reason. That has been rectified. And I'm happy to report that it, their content is just as good as um, the Kensington Palace Instagram. But it's and it's perfect because it to me it seems a lot more like dad like. Um, it's a little bit more corny jokes and and other references yeah. that that are. Um, really like i don't know it was just really funny like uh the first thing that i'll talk about is that uh charles and camilla were uh in scotland and they showed various um they had various photos of them at different locations um i'm not gonna go in too much detail about this but my i can't and we might talk about this on another episode um charles uh was instrumental in helping preserve a historic uh man like estate house that was up in scotland and he it was written up in architectural digest and um other things uh other publications like that recently and this or maybe this was in the last few years but he was uh able to stop by that house and um, yeah, it's Dumfries House in Ayrshire, mm-hmm. Ayrshire, A Y R S H I R E. Um, so I believe you. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry for pronunciation, but yeah, this is. Uh, they said the Duke saved Dumfries House in 2007 after it was threatened with sale and dispersal. Um, if anyone's watched Downton Abbey, you know that the costs of up the upkeep on a large estate house or manor house is quite high and so a lot of them were sold off or knocked to the ground or just kind of let to go into decay and prince charles has made it kind of one of his personal causes to to um, preserve some of these uh important landmarks and so they got to visit that and then they were posting just other pictures of him and i learned the fun fact that when he is in scotland He's not the prince of. He's not called the Prince of Wales. He's called the Duke of Rothsay, which that's fun, but it's confusing because, you know, if you were going someplace and everyone's like Prince, 
or whatever. I guess they still probably just call him your highness, but yeah, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Rothsay. I don't know. It'd be weird to have your title. Well, it's changed. like, isn't it when they're yeah? Because even in Northern Ireland, they have in Wales, they have different names. Yeah, like I forget. Is it Will or Charles? It's like in Wales, they're like Duke Carafingus. Or <laughs> oh yeah, or is that? I don't, I don't know. know, but that's that one's really funny. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, or Fergus or something. I don't know. Anyways, yes. So uh, the thing that I thought was really fun from their trip was that uh, Charles went to. This is on September fourteenth. Uh, Charles went to the Westmoreland County Show, which appears to be like a county fair. It's kind of similar to county fairs I've been to, where they have um, livestock uh, parades. It seems, and mostly it's just pictures of Charles next to sheep. And small children. <laughs> and um, there's a video on their Instagram where this is what I'm talking about when I said like the content of his uh, Instagram is more like dad joke centric. It's, it's his royal highness has found a better way to count sheep than to simply close your eyes and imagine them. Sleeping emoji, sheep emoji. These are just some of the sheep <laughs> that were on show at the uh, today at the Westmoreland show in Cumbria, which like that's something that it just made me laugh. And it's just a it's just a video of um, him standing in the middle while of a like fenced in enclosure while a bunch of people lead sheep around him in a circle. Yeah, I did see that. And it made me laugh. <laughs> but also just the use of those emoji. I love it when dads use emoji. Dads and grandpas use emoji. Like my dad randomly so started hard. signing. He used to all sign all of his texts, dad, as though I didn't know that it was him talking to me. And then for like a week, he signed all of his texts with the um, emoji wearing sunglasses. (laughs) And I don't know why, because it didn't make sense in the context of anything. And I think he just like thought it was- Well, he's a cool dad now when you had the shade. Yeah, I think he just thought it was funny. I don't know. But I did laugh a lot when I saw it. Um, Yeah. So yeah, so they had a, it looked like a fun trip to Scotland. And then um, the other thing was that they did in the last week was on September 17th, they had uh, they attended a service at Westminster Abbey commemorating the Battle of Britain. And they met with uh, several um, surviving veterans of that. And it was, again, uh, really looked like a really moving service. Um, the, they had some nice photos taken with the veterans who look like they're having a good time. They're all, um, I mean, they're just adorable, most of them, or all of them. Yeah. And they're all wearing their medals. Yeah, so that's all I really have to say. Camilla is wearing her typical satellite dish hat, but I like her coat Perfect. a lot. It's in like a nice navy coat with this um, white kind of um, leaf pattern embroidery around the like the middle, like the front of the coat and on the cuffs. So yeah, she looks really nice. Charles is wearing his uniform, his military uniform. So yeah, I always like those events where they're with the veterans because it's just, yeah, they really are just, yeah, there's not very many of them left and to be able to celebrate them while they're still there and yeah, that they were part of such an important battle. Right. Yeah. And anything that takes place at Westminster Abbey, like you have to imagine how cool that is to go 
to there and have it be about you if you're one of those veterans. It seems like it would be pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then the final piece of Charles news um, is something you put into our notes for today, which is that as of September 10th, Prince Charles is the longest serving Prince of Wales ever. Is it? Is it really like ever yeah. of all of the... Okay, that's a lot. I guess now yeah, life expectancy British... is longer, but... Yeah, for sure. No, uh, the record was previously held by yeah his great-grandfather, Edward the Seventh, um, who is, yeah, the son of Queen Victoria. Yep. So that would make sense why he also had to, Edward had to wait a long time to, you know, ascend to the throne because Queen Victoria, until 2015, had been the longest reigning monarch yes. in British history. Uh, so, yeah, no, no, that's Charles now. Okay. Yeah, because Charles has been the longest heir apparent since 2010. Yes. And then, uh, but now he's been the longest Prince of Wales, so. Right, because he wasn't invested as the Prince of Wales until he was 25, right? Or 21? I I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But yeah, it was like early, yeah, but yeah, I think you're about right. I think it was. It was several years after he became the actual heir apparent, though. Right, exactly. So that. Yeah, he was like three or three when he became the heir or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. But yeah, so congrats. I um, yeah. Charles. <laughs> May you become I mean, an even longer serving Prince of Wales because yeah. we don't want anything bad to happen to your mom. But yeah. Exactly. So what's happening with yeah, Harry? So that, yeah, so Harry did his first on September seventh, he did his first official visit to Northern Ireland. Um yeah, he's never gone, obviously, as for official engagements. And uh, there he did two things. He opened up the Northern Ireland Ambulance Service Station in North Division Headquarters. Uh, so that was, yeah, your typical plaque unveiling. And yes, meeting with that, which they're very good at. First responders. And then, yeah. and, um, then he went to Hillsborough Castle for a garden party. Ooh. So another thing he's very good at. Yes, he just excels. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then on September 14th, he uh, visited the Chatham Green Project. Which Chatham. Is, um, Chatham, is that what we Yes, and okay. I can, the only reason uh, I know how to say that is because there's a Chatham in Canada, and I had to know oh. how to say that because when they were building Target stores in Canada, I was working on that. And so I had to learn how to say Chatham so I didn't offend the Canadians there. So I'm assuming Britain That's also important. pronounces it like that. I don't want to offend anyone from... From Canada? No. Yeah. No, they're notoriously yeah. cruel and unforgiving. So better not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this is a, a youth education center um, and conservation initiative uh, that is in Essex. And yeah, so they focus on like sustainable land use and um, all of that. So yeah, Harry went there and hung out with some kids. So it was very cute once again to see him. With the young ones again, and um, yeah, they played with animals, looked at plants, all of that jazz. So yeah, yeah, he has been really stepping it up, definitely. And yeah, that was the day before his thirty third birthday, which was September fifteenth. So yes, there was lots of social media activity from various accounts, just mostly posting to wish him happy birthday. But he didn't make a public appearance that day, did he? No, I don't think so. Which I was like, oh, is Megan still there? Yeah, I know. That's what that was my thought. Is what are they doing for his birthday? Um, right. Just hanging out, 
snuggling on the couch watching something on Netflix or uh, yeah, did she cook him a nice dinner or I don't know. We'll see. I hope it was with some crusty bread. Yes, some crusty bread and some these <laughs> fancy chili pe- I can't remember what they are. Those yeah. chili peppers. But yeah, I don't know that we'll ever find out what they did to celebrate his birthday, but I can only hope that they had a good yeah. time. Even if they didn't get to celebrate it on September 15th, I'm sure they will get to celebrate together and ha- go have a nice meal somewhere, even if it's just in his fancy palace. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I mean, they'll be seeing each other. If if she was already, if she had already left the UK by then. Yeah. They'll for sure be seeing each other for when he's in Toronto for the Invictus Games, whether or not she makes an appearance. But. Right. Because... We'll see. Yep. And then the final uh, which, item I'm intrigued by. Yeah. Yes. So so I did some digging. So there was there had been a few reports that um, Harry had introduced Meghan to Queen Elizabeth, um, to his grandma, you know, grandmom, uh, granny. Granny. Gran. And which, right, which is an extremely important step. For example, Kate did not meet, was not introduced by to the Queen until very soon before they were engaged. Right. Um, so this is a very big step. You don't just introduce your girlfriend like you normally, in a normal world, it's like, unless it's like a sure thing. Um, so this was reported in Us Weekly, and it was like, okay, I don't know. Us Weekly isn't always the... Yeah, the American tabloids you know, are rarely the ones to have the accurate scoop when it comes right. to royals. Um, Though, and um, I mean, with Megan, it might be a little bit different, I guess, because she... Like, right. has and connections. So and- I was like, okay, I, I don't know. And so I went to Twitter to look at, because I always think, when I think of, like, who's going to actually, like, corroborate this story, I think about who's got better sources, and that would be people like Emily Andrews from The Sun or Richard Palmer, who writes for The Express. Yeah. They're two really good royal reporters, or even, um, I'm totally forgetting her name, we talked about her, but she runs for The Daily Mail. Oh, yeah, um, be, um, the like, one who's written right the... Now. Gosh, I can't. But she's written several bi- biographies. Yes, if I think of it. But yeah, so and I wanted to see what they thought because they comment on a lot of news stories that come from tabloids and everything, and are like, you know, I can see this being real, or this is definitely like I talked to my sources, and I'm gonna say this is BS. Yeah. And so Emily Andrews at the Sun said that one of the sources for the Us Weekly story was um, the editor in chief of Majesty Magazine. Um, okay. Which is actually a pretty pretty good source. Um, she had a terrible quote, though, in the Us Weekly story. She said, I'm 98% sure it happened, um, but I can't be 100% because I didn't see it myself. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that to me is somebody who wants to avoid being sued. Like, because, right. you know, yeah, of course, yeah. if you didn't see it yourself, you, you can't be 100% sure. But, you know, yeah. Right. And so in the Us Weekly story, they said that Megan was introduced on um, September 3rd. And uh, Emily Andrews thinks it could be true because um, that morning or the next day on Labor Day when Kate announced that she was pregnant, uh, Harry had an engagement um, that day. And he was asked, you know, are you excited to be, uh, you know, an uncle again? And he responded, you know, of course I am. And how's, and they asked her how, how, asked Harry how Kate was. And she said, he said like, oh, I haven't seen her. And that was because Harry... It had been confirmed Harry had actually been gone that weekend with Megan oh. somewhere. And so, Ooh, right. Jo- taking so a that brief jaunt up to like, Scotland. Right. I was like, were you at Balmoral? Mm-hmm. Like meeting the queen? So Possibly. I think, yeah. So I think there. I think the fact that he was gone and we don't really know where they went. Obviously, they 
can easily find seclusion. Uh, I think there, I, I do kind of believe that it's possible. And especially after the um, Vanity Fair article, I mean, it seems likely that they're, you know, they're at that level where it would make sense to introduce her, especially if she's speaking on behalf of um, or for them as a couple and stuff. And yeah, they were obviously the queen obviously knew it was going to be happening. Yeah, because I don't think so. like the queen being hesitant to meet significant others. I don't think it's like um, necessarily like she's a snob who doesn't want to like waste time with meeting commoners or whatever. I think it's probably more like I don't know my. My mom was always like, um, oh, I don't want to get too... Like, my brother had a high school girlfriend, and then they broke up, and she was like, oh, it's just, like, I wish I didn't have to meet somebody until it was more serious, because then I don't have to, like... Then I don't get to... Like, I don't feel as sad. Like, if it's... that I'm not articulating this well. But, like, unless it's serious, like, you know, kind of... Especially, like, grandparents. Like, (laughs) I don't know that you want to hassle them. With meeting, meeting the well, significant right. other. You want to get invested and get your right, hopes yeah, get up, your hopes you know, up. Like, because a lot of times that'll yeah. happen where you know you get along really well with uh, someone's significant other, like a relative significant other, and then they break up, and you're like, oh no, I really liked that person, but like ultimately you you're you want to more be supportive of them in their time of heartbreak or whatever. So yeah, it could be hard. So I think it did happen. Yeah. I'm going to, I feel pretty confident. I feel like they're all these pieces kind of line up and they had, and us weekly had a slightly legitimate source. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Especially if uh, we have an engagement announcement sooner rather than later. Yeah. And we'll, yeah, we'll so talk a bit of, a bit about the most recent piece of evidence <laughs> at the end of this oh, yeah. news update. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, so I think we're moving on to, yeah, what, what Wills has been up to. Yeah. What William's up to. Um, so he's had a few engagements. Um, unfortunately they have been solo engagements because Kate is still obviously not out and about, it seems. Right. Um, so on September 11th, he went to a couple of places. Um, the first, uh, first thing he did was he went to a charity called Sporting Chance and this is a charity that does work with um, survivors of childhood sex abuse in uh, football, so soccer for us Americans. Um, while he was there, he met with people who uh, do mental health support services um, for childhood uh, sex abuse survivors. And then he also met with some survivors himself. This is one of those issues that is getting a lot more attention in England um, in modern days a lot of this is is kind of stuff that happened in past decades because unfortunately this is kind of the best thing i can compare it to a little bit is um what happened with the penn state um sex abuse scandal that was going on there um it's come to light that a few people who were quite high up in um british football have were unfortunately involved kind of directly or indirectly with um, these scandals. And so I think this is really great that Will took time to meet with people and shed light on this and to, you know, bring awareness that this charity exists and that it's there to support people who want to seek out um, resources 
um, to cope with something that may have happened to them, you know, decades ago. So then the second thing he did was um, he went to McLaren Auto and he got to look at fancy cars, which seemed like it was fun. Um, I don't really know much about McLaren Auto beyond the fact that it's a British car company and they had a showroom kind of where they were going around and showing off their newest, latest and greatest technology. Um, Mostly they just looked like pretty shiny cars. I didn't really see much else that was going on with that. I think it was just kind of like a, a, a visit where he was going out to support British industry at this point because everyone likes sporting their cars but i mean this isn't like mini cooper or aston martin or like the jaguar like all the british car companies that you've heard of so i was a little bit like what but i don't know maybe yeah if you know more i know they make strollers like the company also does strollers oh really (laughs) yeah that's weird Huh. Because, like, I, I was looking at some, and then I was like, oh, this company also makes cars? I was like, that's kind of weird. Oh. But, you know, Maybe they got their start you. in uh, prams, perambulators. Maybe. And um, <laughs> then they were like, well, we already have the wheels and the chrome, so let's just make <laughs> fancy cars. Well, add a motor. Yeah, add a motor, exactly. Um, so then he had a few days uh, off, and he then, on September 14th, went to Liverpool and did three events there. The first thing he did was... He, similar to what Harry did, he opened a new urgent care and trauma center at Aintree University Hospital. And the personal tie-in with this is that it has a new uh, air ambulance service operation point, which since that was Will's job in the military, Mm -hmm. he obviously can, you know, judge it and say, yes, that's a very nice helipad. Good job. I like that. Or whatever, whatever it is he, he did when he looked around there. Um, then he went to, um, as part of the Heads Together promotion, he went to Mercy Care NHS Foundation Trust Life Rooms, which is a, an organization that promotes mental health. And again, I think this was just kind of a visit to bring awareness to an important resource center for people who live in Liverpool and who may need um, mental health services. And then the most fun thing he did that day was he went to a place called the Guinea Gap Leisure Center, or Leisure Center, if we're going to be British about it. And he watched some people play water polo there. Um, He did not don a Speedo and get in the pool, unfortunately. Uh. Um, He didn't even put on a swim cap and some goggles, which, you know, that's the photo op I want. But it looked like he had fun, um, and he got to watch people enjoying this leisure center which i think is probably similar i don't know it must be like whatever a ymca is but yeah, like, i bet so yeah because it just seemed like it had a lot of swimming facilities yeah so that was mm-hmm. what will did we didn't hear much or actually i think he did something today and maybe we'll come back to that can't remember i think he went to let's scroll yeah so he um he went to the uh, spitalfield script trust which is a charity and social enterprise that helps people recover from addiction and homelessness. And so that was another, again, just kind of awareness raising um, visit. And my main comment on this and why I remember seeing this on Instagram earlier is that he's talking to a young woman who has amazing ombre pink hair in one of the the pictures. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I like that hair a lot. So, and they're in front of like a beautiful splashy painting. It looks like so. Busy guy. Busy guy. 
All time royal for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like his so they always, you know, after a year they'll talk about like how many engagements they took on. And they always like stack it up versus like the Queen or Princess Anne and whatnot. And I think it'll be interesting to see his numbers shoot up. <laughs> yeah, especially I mean, we we should come up maybe I'll make a good a graph. Uh, you know, uh, just because they started taking on their more, I don't know, intensive full-time royal duties. And so I do imagine that it's a really big spike, you know, yes. once he started that. Because it seems like he, both he and Harry are, you know, always out there at this point. That they are. One person who wasn't out there, at least in, like, corporeal form, was Kate. <laughs> Yeah, so we, yes, on September 18th, we kind of got a Kate sighting. Um, it was months, months old Kate sighting, but new footage. Yeah, um, she recorded a video. Um, it looks like she recorded it in January uh, promoting the Anna Freud Center, um, which does a lot of the, yeah, heads together and mental health um, for children and whatnot. And she, um, yeah, recorded just, yeah, every year she almost does this, a similar recording, just talking about uh, the importance of asking your children about how they're feeling and telling them that's important to to open up and everything. Um, so yeah, so she definitely filmed this probably in January since the outfit she was wearing, which is her blue. Um, I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing the brand right. It's Eponine. Eponine. Uh, Eponine. Yeah. Is it uh, like suit. the um, the lady in uh, Les Misérables? Maybe I don't know. I think I'm not sure though. I don't know. Let me look on Instagram. Yeah, you should look. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so we got, you know, kind of a sighting from her, but yeah, an older one. So she is still um, sick with her acute morning sickness. So I'm sure we won't see her f- probably for at least another month or so. Uh, I guess we'll see. Though I did see that I think it's sometime in October, even mid-October, there is an event that people have started to get invites for from from Harry, Kate, and Will. So who knows, maybe she'll be able to make that or at least make a quick appearance at um, a reception that's thanking people for like their hard work for a couple of various nonprofits. So maybe we'll get some photos from that. But I don't think it'll be something that'll be a public event. I think it'll be a private one where she might feel more comfortable just going out just to say hello to people. Yeah. Uh, And then she can just like literally, and it would probably be a Kensington Palace, so she can literally just go back to their wing yes or her bedroom and just be like okay yep didn't have to drive anywhere like i can literally run away at any point if i'm not feeling well enough and yeah home field advantage so to speak yeah exactly baby steps yeah she can go flop down on her bed if necessary yeah Mm -hmm. and also she has access to all of the various like again pedialyte or iv stations or whatever she might need. um i did look it up it is eponine is the brand of that coat. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So um, the I thought we were going to be quiet, all quiet on the Megan front this week. And then I was on Twitter today and saw people talking about Megan's car and was like, huh? <laughs> and, and it led me to one of the funniest um, things that are, is being cited as evidence that um, Meghan and Harry, they're so in love and they're going to get married. Um, and it's because Meghan Markle uh, canceled her car lease. So, what? yeah, I know. So clearly it's true love. Um, so she um, 
So this is the headline. This is in the mirror. It says, Meghan Markle, quote, unexpectedly cancels car lease in Canada, unquote, amid speculation she is preparing to move to London for Prince Harry. Um, so, I mean, logistically, this this would make sense if you're going to be moving, you know, abroad you and you have a car lease, you can you would cancel it, assumedly. But she also at the same time, I don't think that that's proof positive that that's exactly what's going to happen no. here. <laughs> because she also she might have also just been like over this car. Yeah, I mean, it was an it's an Audi Q5, apparently. Um, you know, there's several reasons why you might want to cancel your car lease. One is you want a new car. Um, two is people know that that's the car you drive now. And so you want to get a different one so they can't follow you around Toronto. Yeah. Three that's is exactly what I thought. I was like, yeah, they probably, I think there's been pictures of her getting in and out of the car, going to yoga and like doing various things. Yeah. Or like, also it's winter's coming up in Canada. Maybe she wants something with four wheel drive and like a, yeah. a more um, winter ready driving experience. Um, I mean, so there's just a lot. Maybe she wants to just start biking. Yeah. I don't know. She wants to, you know, be better for the earth. Maybe she wants a bright, not polluted, a, a bright yellow Ferrari. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's what I would do if I were her. I would, I would rent um, a bunch of those like weird luxury cars that randomly. I don't know why people, you'll like in Minnesota, you'll see people like um, with these cars that like should not be. They're not good for winter driving, and it's like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I, you know. You should live in Miami if you have a car like that. What are you doing? Um, she should just rent a bunch of those, like, for a day apiece. They all have usually have very tinted windows. She would be protected. But anyway, so that um, that was really funny uh, that she, that that's, like, the whole basis for, like, a very long article is just she, uh, she returned her car. So yeah, that's all really that's happening with Megan. Um, that we, that's been reported on that I think yeah, uh, wraps up our news segment, unless you have anything else to say. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think we'll, we'll potentially hear from Megan uh, next week when the Invictus game starts and by here, maybe probably see her in the crowd in some capacity. Um, cause I'm sure they're not going to announce a royal engagement during the Invictus games. Cause that would severely take away all of the attention <laughs> yeah if, if from the game if anything i think it would be at the tail end like i do think if they do a public appearance together even you know not including an engagement announcement i do think it'll be at the closing ceremonies or something similar like it'll be at a it'll be a more low-key event um even possibly where it would just maybe be a and i don't even know if it would be a public facing event it might just be something where they want to introduce her kind of um, halfway to the public. And so they, she's invited um, and accompanies Harry to like a reception for the participants. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that's something um, that they tapped her to do because that would, you know, make, allow her to get out there and actually talk to the people and be seen potentially as less like, Ooh, look at me. And more like, let's celebrate these people and, you know, mm -hmm. hear their stories. So yeah, um, we are planning, yeah, I think next week, our episode will focus a little bit more in depth on the Invictus games. And unless something, again, crazy happens at the front end of things, I think we plan on just um, talking a little bit about the history of the games and Harry's role with them and what's happened over the past few years. 
Um, so stay tuned next week for that. Exactly. All right. So I think we are ready to uh, talk about our our furry friends. Yay! I'm so excited that we yeah. are doing this topic. Um, this is something that we had had on our list, our brainstorming list from the very beginning of a, of a fun topic to talk about when there wasn't really any big news item or major event that we wanted to discuss mm-hmm. because we both love dogs. I grew we up do. with a black, my first dog was a black lab German shepherd mix named Oli. And then I had two golden retrievers. And they were um, Pearl and Sunny, and they you knew Pearl and Sunny, and they were yeah. big dumb idiots who I loved very much. <laughs> they were so cute I know. and so sweet, though. Yeah, Pearl was a little bit smarter than Sunny, but Sunny was like the <laughs> dumbest, funnest dog. She was also she had a thyroid problem, so she was a little bit obese. It wasn't her fault. She was also big boned, and she was just like, um, she was absolutely hilarious. And then I knew your dog. Yeah, yeah. I ha- had a sassy uh, Shih Tzu named Callie. Yes, and she, um, yeah, sassy is really, I think, about the best word since she loves you if you have treats. Otherwise, she's kind of over you. She was very much a princess. She yes. had her she own had throne, throne, which was an old footstool that, like, your mom <laughs> yeah. went. I remember. I feel like I was there when we went to like Joanne Fabrics and we bought this polar fleece that was on clearance, probably. And we covered <laughs> up this like old cushion on this footstool and made her a little like bed, and that was her throne. And she would do. She was really good at tricks. Your dad taught her to do like yes. play dead. So if you said like bang, she would like fall over. And then also our favorite, she would also drag her butt across the carpet and we would cheer and then your parents would get mad at us. Yeah, since, you know, dogs are usually doing that so they can clean themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But she also. But that's okay because it was hilarious. She also had an underbite. um, Yeah. Severe underbite. Common Shih Tzu. And so she looked, um, she looked, uh, we would watch The Little Mermaid and we thought she looked like one of the poor unfortunate (laughs) souls that Ursula has trapped. And so then we started yes. calling her Puss for short, and your mom would get so mad at us because she'd be like, "Stop! <laughs> she's beautiful." We're like, "I know, but she's so cute." That's the point. Yes. Anyway, mm-hmm. we love dogs very much. Yes, yes, we do. And uh, so yeah, so we will talk about yeah the royals' love of their dogs. Um, obviously, there have been lots and lots of royal dogs since you know they don't have the same you know life expectancy as a human. Um, but there's a few I think notable uh, dogs and even specific breeds that we'll discuss. Yes, um, for our main topic. And uh, with that, I think I'll start talking about kind of one of the earlier breeds that. Um, I kind of discovered when we were decided to do this topic because um, I tend to think of like smaller like lap dogs. Yeah. When I think of like royal, royal pets because you know they're supposed to yes yeah, lap dogs. You think of the the um, portraits where it's the various royals yeah. and they've got like a Cavalier King Charles or a Cocker Spaniel or similar dog or Shih Tzu type dog sitting in their right. laps looking like a furry dust mop who's very cute exactly. and cuddly. So yes. Yeah, so I was surprised um, to find out that uh, greyhounds actually have kind of a, a, a past with the royal family, especially um, with the Tudor dynasty, um, the, the you know line that would give us King Henry VIII. And um, so I, I was a little surprised about that since, you know, they're not uh, 
generally what I think about. But for example, if you visit um, King's College Chapel at Cambridge University, um, you'll notice that the Greyhound actually makes several appearances on the um, outside. Like there's several different crests hmm. and um, monuments that have Greyhounds. Um, you know how like, I don't know, for some people, if you've been to even Kensington Palace or Buckingham Palace, you'll notice that there's like the crest that has like the unicorn and the lion yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. That are like kind of leaning on the crest. Yeah. Um, there's that same crest or a similar crest that's more for the Tudor side, but it's the greyhound on one side and the dragon and a dragon because the dragon is the symbol of the Tudors hmm. and the greyhound was the symbol of the um, Beaufort family. Beaufort? I'm Beaufort. 100% sure. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I don't. Family that yeah. was the. Go ahead. Um, that was the family that, uh, or at least the mother who. Um, mothered like king henry um the seventh who obviously became the father of king henry the eighth uh so that i thought that was interesting and then uh king henry the eighth and anne boleyn also had their own pack of greyhounds hmm. uh, there are several paintings with greyhounds in them so i thought that was interesting uh and it didn't last for very long since that you know they're kind of yeah uh, they kind of ended up being a racing breed. Yeah. Because people were like, oh, they're like really fast. Because I learned they're also the second fastest mammal. Wow. Like, so. Is that? Yeah. No, I mean, I I, <laughs> I can believe it. I mean, it's just, you don't yeah, think of it. So once people were like, they're really fast, they're like, oh, we can race these. So once they started getting into racing, they became less companions. Yeah. And more, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, racing dogs. So. Also, I learned that greyhounds cannot sit down. What? Like, their legs are so spindly. <laughs> like, they can't. Their legs are so spindly. So, like, they yeah. have to lay down? And so, yeah, they have to lay down or they just stand. I was like, oh, okay. So, I was surprised to learn that because I guess I've, like, I guess I've never really seen a greyhound sit before, but I don't know if that's true or not, but... Well, I'll ask on several pages. One of my friends at work has a greyhound. Maybe I'll have to ask. (laughs) I was talking to. Like, how do they do that? Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't imagine. Well, again, going back to my own dumb dog, she, um, so as a golden retriever, she could sit. I can say that. But she didn't know how to, like, we trained her, you know, sit and lay down. But she couldn't go from sitting to laying down. So she would, if you, gave her the command to lay down, she would stand back up and then do like a weird somersault type thing and flop over because she couldn't figure out like she, I think that's what she thought lay down means. Like she never got it through her head that we were just like saying like, no, you can just slide your legs out, you dummy. Yeah. Like, and she would, so she would do this like weird thing and flop over and then you just like, it was so cute that you'd just be like, okay, I guess. Yeah. And give her You're praise. Like, but you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, and greyhounds are, supposedly not the smartest of dog breeds um like yeah. all of the dogs that have those yeah, really very... small heads um like salukis i think are supposed to be like the dumbest dogs but it just yeah. might be because they don't have a big enough brain i don't know though yeah well um because i'm so good at my job i just googled can get a greyhound <laughs> get it <laughs> and they can but it's actually slightly it's it's kind of painful Aww. because they're, yeah, because they of their long backs and well-developed muscles. Yeah. Um, it makes it actually kind of uncomfortable. So they can do it. They just don't, like. They don't want to. 
do it all the time because it hurts. Like they don't sit as much as like a do- another like any other breed. Yeah, because of the way yeah that that they are. Because yeah, they've got those spindly legs, mm-hmm. and like yeah, they're really skinny. Yeah, they're super like, they're skinny. Usually, like whenever I see them, I'm always like, this dog needs like a quarter pounder of cheese. Yeah, but a lot of times they don't. It's like you know you can. There's a difference. Like you know you can see a dog's ribs, then you're like okay maybe, but you know. A lot of times they 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 do have just like really skinny like waists. It's weird. That's interesting that they had them. I mean, I know that Henry VIII had a very interesting menagerie of other types of animals um, that he would keep at the tower. There was when I was looking into researching this, there is a book that I saw but decided not to buy um, because it wasn't it I don't think it had anything about dogs in it and it was talking I think it's called the Tower Menagerie and it talks about like how they were polar bears and lions and giraffes and everything kept yeah. at the Tower of London and so I might I might have to go back and at least get that book from the library um because I wonder how you know their dogs fit in with everything there and if they talk about them at all i have a feeling i have a bad feeling about how dogs might fit into that scheme but because henry the eighth obviously liked cutting off people's heads so i don't know what he would do for other things but alas moving on to more happy things yeah. <laughs> i'm like laughing awkwardly <laughs> oh jenna brought down the room sorry all right so yeah so the next kind of um breed of dog that we're going to discuss today is the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And um, this dog is uh, a very cute dog. At least it's one of my favorite breeds. It's known as a love sponge. Yay, love um, sponge. Because they, cause they just love attention and they love to just like murder you with love, essentially. Because they just want to be like in your face, cuddle all the time. And um, if you aren't 100% sure what this dog looks like, obviously Google it. Um, but if you, <laughs> but their most famous, uh, famous, uh, I guess, media appearance is if you watched Sex in the City, uh, Charlotte York's dogs were uh, King Charles, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, which makes sense for Charlotte since she's a very prim and proper yes. person who would obviously want dogs that um, are only possible because of royalty. Um, yeah. So these dogs, when they first started, they were just called just King Charles Spaniels because that they were raised um, by King Charles I, and um, who was part of the House of Stuart. And he loved these dogs. And over time, they, when he eventually had his son, who was King Charles II, uh, this is where the name Cavalier was actually put into this, these dogs' names because this man was obsessed with his Cavalier, King Charles Cavalier Spaniels. He always had three of them with him, and he loved them so much that people felt like he was neglecting his uh, royal duties to, like, care for these dogs instead of... Like, and this is, Charles the sec- and- this is Charles II yeah. we're talking about? Yeah. So, and that's also interesting because, obviously, Charles I, um, he got executed... And Charles II was then reinst- reinstated on the throne. So, um, hey, man, maybe your PR needs to be bettered. Maybe, you know, if they've killed your dad, like, don't, um, don't like, shirk your royal duties to hang out with your dogs necessarily. I don't know. But obviously he oh, survived. Sure. But <laughs> Right. And so, yeah, so they called him the Cavalier King. And so that's kind of how the name 
King Charles Cavalier or Cavalier King Charles Spaniel came to be. Yeah, um, that makes sense. And so these dogs ended up after, yeah. And so then when the fall of the House of Stuart happened during the Glorious Revolution, um, this is when um, these dogs no longer were popular uh, because uh, a different dog took over, which was uh, Queen Mary mm-hmm. preferred pugs. Ew. So, um, gonna alienate yeah. listeners right now. I will, I will, I'm with you. Pugs are not my favorite. And, um, so they kind of lost some, some love. Um, but as, as these dogs were really big cuddle monsters, um, owners loved to have them with them, not because they used to attract fleas mm. so that they would save their humans from the plague yeah. and other diseases. So the dog would get sick and not the, the human. So that was kind of sad. Yeah. Boo. It was like, oh, why don't you jump into bed with me? Not because I love you, but because I don't want to, like, get the plague. Yeah. No. It would just feel really bad. So so these little dogs were also kind of little soldiers. Mm-hmm. Taking one for the team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so these dogs regained kind of popularity as a result of Queen Victoria. Um, when Even before she, you know, ascended to the throne, um, she had a, a tricolor King Charles. There's like four different colors of Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. And she had a tricolor, which is like a black, a brown, and a white um, mm-hmm. pup named Dash. Dash. And, um, Dash is in quite a few uh, different um, images. Yeah. In a lot of artwork and stuff because she loved him so much. And because um, he didn't want to leave her to be, you know, immortalized in, in figures and paintings. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, Victoria was so devoted to Dash that when she um, ascended to the throne, um, she took part of her day to give him a bath because she was just so in love with him and wanted him to look his best. Oh, so, you know, she just didn't pass him off to, you know, one of her, uh, you know, her house thousands of servants um right thousands of servants she just loved him so much and um when dash did pass away um so he's actually if you ever want to see his grave he's actually buried at windsor i i i don't think it's anywhere you can actually go to but like you can like stand in front of but he is buried there Mm -hmm. and she wrote his epitaph and um she and here's what it says it says Here's Lies Dash, the favorite spaniel of Her Majesty Queen Victoria, by whose command this memorial was erected. He died on the 20th of December, 1840, in his ninth year. His attachment was without selfishness, his playfulness without malice, his fidelity without deceit. Reader, if you would live beloved and die regretted, profit by the example of Dash. Aww. It's like, so beautiful. Yeah, that's like, there's the saying. And I was like, oh God, this dog is done more from in its life than i have (laughs) yeah like if you've ever heard the saying um it's like live try to be the dog the person your dog thinks you are like it's always like oh try to act more like dogs because they are very good at um teaching us how to treat other people even if they are kind of dumb sometimes but in the best way yeah for sure yeah, well, see, you, I, when we were talking about divvying up the work, uh, we had an idea. Obviously, we needed to talk about Dash, and we needed to talk about Corgis, and 
I immediately knew that you would be talking about Cavalier King Charles Spaniels because they are one of your favorite types of dog. Yes. And I sure do love them. Um, but yeah, they have been plagued by some health concerns, which is why I don't currently own one because um, it's kind of difficult to find them because due to some inbreeding um, to, in order to keep those really like, you know, specific traits. So people, yeah, had people who shouldn't, or dogs who probably shouldn't be breeding, breeding. Um, they have issues with mitral valve disease. So they always end up having quite early on in their life um, some heart issues mm. and heart murmurs and all of that. Um, but also their brains, they have, there was a, there's been a big issue with their brains becoming too big and, um, for their skulls, essentially they swell too much. Um, so that's been one of the major, uh, issues or two of the major issues that, um, kind of the international, yeah. uh, Cavalier King Charles associations have worked to try to fix uh, because they they are a very cute and popular breed. They're one of the most popular breeds, especially in the United Kingdom. And uh, but the issue is, yeah, they they don't stay healthy for very long, and uh, no, they have lots of issues. So that's why I don't have one. They're also kind of expensive. So they also have severe uh, separation anxiety a lot of the time because they yes. were bred to be love sponges. They get mad at you when you want to leave and go to work. So. They do, um, yeah, and so they would not be a good pet for um, for me at this moment in my life since I go to work every day. Yeah, and though we're, to bring them you're still trying work. to lobby your workplace to allow uh, people to take their dogs to work, right? Yes, um, I feel, yeah, whenever there's a chance to, like, talk about what would make our workplace a better place i always have like a super honestly i know i sound like a crazy person to <laughs> fill it out but i don't care no because i want them to understand how important it is to me and they always say that they're like um confidential but i don't think they are like i'm sure my employee id is like attached to like the the form that i sent or they just know that you're obsessed with cavalier king charles spaniels Do you know or dogs there are re- there's research yeah yeah yeah, and there's research that having this dog will make me happier and my coworkers and other places get to do it. And here's a list of everywhere in the cities that lets you have a dog and blah, blah, blah. Google, so, Google does day, it. Maybe. So if, if it's good enough for Google, Let's it see. should be good enough for me, right? Exactly. Um, well, my, uh, yeah, like, so in my, back in the day, like when I, grad, after I graduated from college, um, I lived with my, I had to move back in with my parents because I was making like not enough money to get my own place. And one of my, the good things about that is that I had a, um, I did dog sitting a lot um, and house yeah. sitting for like coworkers and other people. And my, you remember this, my, across, the, one of my neighbors in my parents' neighborhood, she's like, oh, do you do dog sitting? And you like dogs, right? And I was like, yeah. And they have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And I was like, yeah, I do that. And they're like, oh, would you house sit for us? And then also dog sit. And now I'm expecting that that will mean, yeah, I'll stay at their house overnight. Uh, but like they'll they'll put together, uh, you know, a guest room for me or whatever. And they're like, yeah, so this is the bed and you have to sleep in the bed with the dog. Like that was part of my job was to spend the night in a like queen size bed with a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. <laughs> Because it couldn't be apart from people. Like, they're like, yeah, we, we can't board the dog because we just really need it to sleep in a bed with a person. I'm like, okay, I'll, I guess. Like, right. But it was really funny. <laughs> and I think I took a video of it where it just chased, it would just chase its tail for like two minutes. 
and like yes. in circles. No, it's funny because, um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's funny because uh, like, you know how Facebook has like their memories oh, yeah. every year? Yeah. You tagged me in that video of the dog. And I can't remember, I remember its name, but I yeah. I see it every year and it makes me so happy. Yeah. Because it's so dumb. And then it like gets dizzy and it's like staggering around afterwards. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like it just is in the middle of the room chasing its tail for no reason. And I love it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, so. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, Queen Victoria had, like, a ton of dogs. Obviously, she lived for a very long time um, and had, you know, reigned for a very long time. So she had many, many dogs. Um, I But that dash was her, her most beloved. I would say it's also her most famous because it is in yeah. um, a lot of the, you know, movies about her life take place, you know, during her uh, young adulthood and then her coronation and becoming queen mm-hmm. and so that's when dash was around right. and also it's um you know queen victoria didn't have a particularly happy childhood her mom i mean right or wrong kind of like isolated her and locked her in a tower and so dash was like her bff <laughs> and so right she would like talk to dash and stuff and yeah so i think that's yeah, so at least yeah so at least if her mom wasn't the nicest person her mother was the the gifter of dash yeah so that's always you know something nice mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i saw um in my research that queen victoria and albert they later uh brought back a greyhound so they had a greyhound they named did, eos yep. and they also had some sky terriers too which i don't know what oh, yeah, those, those look like super cute are those like they're so they're little they're like the little white ones oh um, like westies uh, kind of yeah okay like, hold on i'm gonna google it really quick but yeah i should look it up too and also yeah there's so, nothing wrong with just googling pictures of dogs i encourage right, all of exactly. our listeners to do that yeah so if you google it you'll see they're like the ones with the perky ears they're kind of yeah they're kind of like a little westy but they like at least the way that people style them is always they've got like a ton of hair oh yeah in front of their faces. they've got like really long bangs um yeah yeah and they've got like their ears are darker yeah okay i see it yeah those are cute yeah, yeah so should we go should i start talking about the the following the ensuing dogs or do you have anything yes. else to talk about victoria no i think that's what all i've got for our our beloved king charles spaniel our cavalier they have that name is a mouthful yeah it is they need to come up um, with like a but, um a shortened nickname or something yeah and i guess the only other thing i'll say about it is that um at one point the they were mixed with um pugs oh since um when yeah, when Queen Mary started to prefer pugs, people started, yeah, mixing them with pugs. And so, at least if you find them um, in the U.S., they're usually just King Charles Spaniels, which is, that means that mean, that they have more of a puggish face versus hmm. the um, the Cavalier, which has a longer snout. Yeah. So, um, I definitely have a preference that I like the Cavalier over just the basic um King Cavalier. Yeah. Or King Charles Spaniel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for dogs with smushed faces because breathing problems are real. Um, that's really my issue, I think. It's not the dog's fault, but uh-huh. yeah. So um, after Queen Victoria, um, I'm going to just talk about a few um, 
dogs here that in the interim before we get to Queen Elizabeth and her famous corgis. So King Edward VII, Victoria's son, um, he uh, had a wire fox terrier that was named Caesar of Knots, which is a fun name. But the funniest thing about it is that apparently um, the everyone who encountered this dog called it stinky because it smelled bad, <laughs> which... You know, um, maybe he needed to take some time out and give it a bath or hire a royal dog groomer. Um, but I just thought that was really funny. Also, the name Caesar yeah. of Knots. I love, like, fancy long dog names. They yeah. um, make me happy. Um, yeah, my so... dog's full name was, like, Lady Callie of Galtier. Oh, yeah. Because that's, yeah. And, like, my uh, husband's dog growing up, his name was Basil, named after Basil Faulty from Faulty Towers. But his full name, they would say, was Basil Milkbone Wellington III, which I thought was excellent. <laughs> it's just a good, good long name. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so, let's see. I, again, I, I kind of mentioned I was doing some, um, doing some research uh, on, like, resources to read and I saw uh, one article that was an excerpt from a book and that book is called Pets by Royal Appointment The Royal Family and Their Animals and it's by Brian Huey or H-O-E-Y um, so I was like oh maybe I, I want to see this uh, maybe I want to read this book so I went and looked on the library website and they didn't have it and I went back to Amazon to see how much it was and they had the hard randomly the hardcover version was way cheaper than the Kindle version and it was like $18 for the Kindle version. I was like, I don't know. That's a lot for a book that I'm not sure of. And so I went down to the reviews and I just really liked that I was warned away from this book because there was a nice one star review that said, there aren't even any pictures in this book, which like, what, why are you doing oh, a book about this, the royal family's yeah. animals? If you're not including pictures of them, that's the whole point. I want to look at dog pictures. Okay, yes. I I also saw, I was also looking and I saw that book and that was one of the reviews. I do remember that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Cause I was like, yeah, I thought it looked like a pretty good book otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I did end up finding, and then I just Googled Royal uh, Family Pets or something. And I found a book and it is currently being shipped to me cause I think it is out of print and let me pull up my, uh, my shipping email from Amazon. It's called uh, Royal World of Animals. And if you Google this, it is a pic. The cover is a picture of a small Prince William on a pony with Princess Diana standing next to it. And it looks very much of that era. So I'm looking forward to when that book is finally delivered. It was like $2 used book. So I think like $6 total. And there were a few more copies out there. So if anyone's interested, and don't worry, Caitlin, I'll lend you my copy. Um, I'm Perfect. sure it, it'll have, hopefully it'll have more pictures than this other one. Um, mm -hmm. But um, going back to the royal dogs. Um, so we talked about Edward VII and Stinky. His wife, Queen Alexandra, she, um, she actually participated a bit in like dog shows. She um, bred basset hounds. And I saw that she has, uh, at one, some, one point she won four first prizes at Chris, the Crystal Palace Exhibition Hall for her basset hounds. So oh, cool. apparently that's a thing that they did. Um, so then we don't really hear a lot about um, King, the their uh, son, King George the uh, fifth. And 
or, or anything like that. But then we can move on to the next generation and talk about uh, Edward VIII, or AKA the Duke of Windsor, or and King George VI. And they both, um, this is really the dichotomy of the two brothers, if you ask me. King George uh, VI is the one who's responsible for introducing corgis to the royal family. Um, though it's it's not quite clear exactly how this went down, but pretty much um, a lot of different sources have a version where Queen Elizabeth, when she was a little girl, um, went to a party um, with another assumedly aristocratic child, and they had a corgi. And Princess Elizabeth thought that the corgi was adorable, and she really liked it. And she told her dad about it, and her dad... Uh, took it upon himself to go track down a corgi for his family. So in 1933, he brought home um, the corgi, which is they called Dookie, which I laughed at because that means something else. But it actually, and I I didn't understand, that's a shortened, uh, it was short for the Duke of York because they called the dog after his owner. Um, who yeah, at the time was okay. the Duke of York. So that makes a lot more yeah. sense. And it's not so weird. Um, obviously, this kicked off a long love affair with the breed. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but it wasn't the only kind of dog that the family had. Um, when Queen Elizabeth and her sister Margaret were kids, they also had a Tibetan lion named Choo Choo. And that's a great name for a dog. For a little yeah. kid, you can just imagine that they they had a hand <laughs> in uh, naming that one. And Tibetan lions are kind kind of like Shih Tzus. Um, they're just a little lap dog that's very furry and cute. Um, let me see. So back to um, I'm gonna get more into um, corgis in a bit, but I'll go back to the um, Duke of Windsor. AKA David, AKA Edward VIII. So, of course. As again, the obligatory reference to the show The Crown may have taught you um, that uh, the Duke of Windsor and the Duchess of Windsor, they also had dogs and they decided that their favorite kind of dog um, was a pug. And so they had several pugs. Um, I think that The Crown handled it really funny um, because Queen Elizabeth is super skeptical. Of his dumb pugs a lot. And she's kind of like, because obviously she's well known as being a person who's very into dogs and very into horses. And I think she likes the intelligence shown by both animals. And she seemed to just have no time or patience for pugs, which, you know, can be very nice. Um, but they don't, they're not quite the smartest, um, smartest dogs out there. Whereas corgis, I learned, yeah. are ranked number 11 yeah, on the most intelligent dog list. So I think we were breaking up a little bit there. What was that, Kate? Oh, I was just going to say, I like pugs. Um, I think they're cute, but I definitely, I don't need a dog that's super active, but I definitely like at least a dog that I can maybe, you know, play fetch with for a little bit. And I have never really had that much success with pugs. They they seem to not be able to breathe for very long. Yeah, I feel really bad for them. Um, like I, yeah. I love all dogs. I don't want to be seen as like just a pug hater. Uh, yeah, like I do really <laughs> like that. I honestly, I love 
I love every dog I encounter. Yeah. I just, I feel really bad for pugs a lot because I think, you know, just the breeding of them has led to a lot of health yeah, issues. They just have a lot of health issues. And you, yeah, the breathing, the noise, the noisy breathing gets to me. I'll just, I think that's probably yeah. my problem with them. Um, but there are some very cute ones. My cousin has a pug and the dog's name is Olive and she looks like an olive. She's just straight up round and she's hilarious yeah. looking, but she mostly just like snorts and it's really funny. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was, um, that was pretty much all we, uh, I think that that, uh, just kind of says a lot about the Duke of Windsor though. That he was more interested in the, well, I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, dogs are dogs. But, yeah. The queen, I can say that, at least if you take the crown's word for it, Queen Elizabeth was not impressed with their love of pugs. Um, so, going back to just corgis in general. Do you know what corgi means, Caitlin? I don't. What does it mean? I didn't know this until I read Wikipedia yesterday. Corgi is Welsh for dwarf dog. Which makes all the sense, because they're so short. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. So, they uh, originated in Pembrokeshire, Wales, which is why they're called the Pembroke Welsh Corgi, um, at least the kind that Queen Elizabeth traditionally has. Right. Um, so, that's the... Which is the brown and white. Yes. So, it's like the right. one that's our logo. like the brown. Yeah. So, um, Pembrokeshire is the farthest west part of wales um and they corgis are traced back as far as 1107 a.d and they um no one's really quite sure how they came to be in wales um there's some speculation that they were brought by vikings or something um but regardless they popped up there around that time and their primary task uh has been as a herding dog because they are very good and they, even though they're quite short, they can, um, their job is to kind of herd sheep and other livestock by kind of more going after their heels, um, which obviously gets the livestock moving quite quickly. Um, but yeah, as I said, they are ranked the 11th most intelligent dog in this, uh, by this guy, Stanley Corin, who wrote The Intelligence of Dogs. The most intelligent dog, according to him, is um, the, uh, what's it called? Border Collie, which makes sense because those are, like, as smart as a four-year-old human. And the yeah. dumbest one, like I said, <laughs> is the Saluki. I think Cavalier King Charles Spaniel was maybe, I can't remember, maybe it was, like, 29 or something. It wasn't too far yeah. down the list, but it wasn't up there too high. Um. But it's a that's an interesting list to look at um, if you're interested in seeing where if you have a dog and you're interested in seeing where that that dog's intelligence lies on the list. Um, so yeah, so after uh, the King George the Sixth brought home Dookie, um, corgis became a big part of the family. Um, according to one source. Um, Queen Elizabeth and Margaret would feed Dookie by hand. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. But this is, they'd feed him by hand, but from a dish that is held by a footman. 
<laughs> so it's like they need they need a servant like so yeah not only are they hand feeding the dog like spoiling the dog but then they're like grabbing it from a footman who's holding it so how many people does it yeah. take to feed the dog um but yeah so after dookie the um family uh acquired a few more um a few more corgis uh the queen mother had a dog a corgi named crackers which that's a great name and um crackers crackers was uh acquired on christmas eve 1939 and um lived until november 1953 um and so crack in addition to crackers they also got um some other dogs and um they all the corgis had a strict regimen that was set by the queen mother this was from a there was an australian newspaper article that was um, published, I don't know exactly what year, I couldn't find, it was just like a photo of the page that it was on. So it didn't have the date, because um, it wasn't the cover. But it was, I think, sometime at, after Anne was born, but before Andrew was born. And it talked about the Queen Mother's uh, regimen, and it said that the corgis lived in the corgi room in Buckingham Palace, which I want to know what that is, yeah, and what it looks amazing. like. Each uh, had a wicker basket that was raised above the floor to avoid drafts because, you know, their comfort is uh, paramount. And then each corgi had its own dish, which, you know, I can just imagine that they're probably priceless silver or something similar. Um, And then uh, when uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, for her 18th birthday, she got a corgi um, named Susan and Susan um, went along on her honeymoon with Prince Philip, and all of the Queen's corgis, um, even the ones she still has now, are descended from Susan. Uh, so she really loved that dog. Um, yeah. And so she um, also passed along directly her love of dogs to her kids, um, and she gave two of Susan's pups in 1955. She gave them to um, Prince Charles and Princess Anne as Christmas presents. And the puppies were named Whiskey and Sherry, which is really cute because those are both nice British tipples. Um, I feel like I'm really bad at naming dogs. Like, I feel like they're so good at it. Yeah. They have names that I wouldn't have even thought of and are totally adorable and they're just like commonplace things or like just even dookie (laughs) yeah i know that's hilarious well like i have a list here of um some of the some of the names of queen elizabeth's corgis and dorgies which i'll talk a little bit about so she had willow vulcan candy holly sugar dookie monty emma linnet whiskey sherry heather tiny bushy foxy and brush those are the ones that I wrote down Whoa. that I encountered. Um, those are just a lot. Well, she's had over 30 corgis um, so in her life. Um, she does like to spoil them. She feeds supposedly feeds the corgis um, a diet of fresh rabbit and beef. Um, they also get kind of like their own homemade blend of, like they have homemade dog biscuits that are pretty much just meat. There's nothing, nothing off the shelves here. And yeah, they probably eat better than most people. Uh, also, this was a fun fact. I think the queen apparently makes Christmas stockings for the corgis, which have treats and bones and toys in them. 
and I would like to be there when those are opened. Um, let's see. So then the a few just other random notes on uh, the Queen's Corgis. Um, I'm sorry, my notes aren't particularly organized here. So um, one thing from the, uh, the... The Queen apparently does think that her dogs are very, very important. Um, this is a quote from a newspaper article about them talking about how her old dog brushes had broken and she needed to replace them. And this is the quote, the new brushes were to be exact replicas of the old for the queen respects her dog's natural dislike of change, which like, I think that's <laughs> hilarious because dogs, yeah. yeah, dogs don't like change, but like what? I mean, for the most part, we, we kind of just buy the, buy the brushes that we find in the store, but I'm right. sure that they're like artisanal brushes that are made by hand by like a person who's, who's been doing the, whose family has been making dog brushes or similar for like 360 years or something in England. Right. Um, the dogs haven't always been the most well-behaved. Um, obviously dogs, uh, though the queen has been able to train her dogs quite well. She, um, she's had a few, uh, they've had a few run-ins with people. Um, like the, Apparently, there are a couple accounts of where one of her corgis bit a policeman or the postman. Um, yeah. The funny, the, and I don't know how funny this is because I, dog bites can be very serious. But this is just, I'm laughing at something else about this. In 1954, um, Susan apparently bit the royal clockwinder, whose name is Leonard Hubbard. But Oh, I, shit. I mean, but like in 1954, you have a royal clockwinder still? I guess you have... <laughs> That's more my thing is like, I was like, wait, what? What's he still doing there? I mean, I know, um, obviously, lots of priceless antiques in Buckingham Palace and a lot of clocks that were from before the time when you didn't need to wind them. But to have a full-time employee oversaw, like, royal clocks at buildings all over the UK. I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to have to look more into that that position yeah. and see if it still exists because that's one thing that we could apply to do you know we're talking know. about being an umbrella it, yeah. holder i could be a royal clock winder i'm good at turning a key i guess yeah and, and it sounds like it's not really that famous of a position no so it seems like we could you know yeah easily learn how to wind clocks and yeah exactly competition yeah um so then um just uh one more kind of sadder note was that the queen currently still has uh, four uh, corgis. Oh, and I mentioned there some of them are dorgies, and that would be those are uh, corgis that that have been also bred interbred with dachshunds, and that is kind of a breed that just kind of happened, I think, in the royal family because uh, Princess Margaret had dachshunds, and I think they just. Um, then liked the temperament and uh, looks of those dogs. And so they kept them around. Um, but so the queen currently has, I, I, as I could find, um, has four dogs. Um, she supposedly stopped uh, breeding corgis in 2015 with the thought that she doesn't want to leave any young pups behind should the worst happen. Um, but 
for now, I hope she's really enjoying her dogs. Um, and I'm going to end on an upbeat note for this and talk about how her dogs um, are movie stars um, because Monty, Willow, and Holly are uh, her personal corgis and they were um, stars with Daniel Craig in the um, London 2012 Olympic opening ceremony video where Daniel, oh, yeah. Daniel Craig as James Bond um, comes to escort the queen as his important mission. And those were her actual dogs. So that was... Oh yeah, I do remember that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I thought that was fun. Um, yeah. I think that's everything I had about the corgis. But I also had some notes on what uh, the next generation, the kind of dogs that they have, because the queen obviously passed down her love of animals to her children. Um, though, I, if you read some of the more, like, salacious books, they'll all talk about how, like, her kids hate corgis. Um, and are like, those horrid little dogs or horrid beasts or whatever, which, like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. Like, I can see getting annoyed with, you know, dogs sometimes, but no. I don't think that they're going around talking about how much they hate corgis. But maybe they are. I don't know. Um, but, uh... Princess Anne has bull terriers, um, and one of those we've talked about in a previous episode that we did named Dottie, yeah. and Dottie is apparently a repeat offender here. Um, she's the that's the dog that bit the child for which Anne had to pay a fine, and then apparently Dottie had a, a kind of a fatal run-in with one of the Queen's corgis. So I don't know if Dottie's still around, but that concerned me to learn about. <laughs> I don't think Dottie's invited to anywhere the cor corgis are. No, I would guess that that was not um, that was not a happy family moment there. Um, and then Prince Charles, uh, you can see, had various uh, various dogs growing up. There is a picture I saw where he had a lab um, that looked cute. You can, I mean, I think Brits, and especially aristocratic Brits who like to hunt, I'm sure they had gun dogs. Um, there isn't too much information out there on, you know, the names of those gun dogs or anything, but I mean, that's what people do. Cause they're very good at, you know, going after pheasants that have just been shot or whatever. Um, but, uh, Camilla has two dogs. They are both Jack Russell Terriers and one is named Beth and one is named Bluebell. And I realized that one of them kind of is named after her mother-in-law, which is, interesting yeah. and was named i mean this dog also is i think they got her beth in 2011 so this is definitely after she's the duchess of cornwall so i don't know if she was already named that or what um let's see the final thing is that there have been we've talked uh, um a little bit obviously about lupo our favorite but will and harry also had dogs growing up um, a few notable ones that I saw them with pictures uh, of was they had a black lab named Widgeon, which is adorable. Yeah. It's like Pig Widgeon in Harry Potter, but oh, different. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a picture of um, Prince Harry with two Springer Spaniels named Rosie and Jenny. And I love Springer Spaniels and they just like all look adorable. And he's like a teenager awkward. So I don't know if this was the photo you were talking about or not. Yeah. Yes. That is it. The second you said Springer Spaniel, I was like, that's the photo. Yeah. So 
Yeah, so I'll I think I'll use that one for sure when I'm promoting. Yeah, post stuff. that one to Instagram. It's super cute. He one. looks just like a normal goofy uh, goofy teen boy with his with his dogs. There's also one, and you uh, should maybe do a series because there's another one. And this isn't a dog that belongs to him, but there's a very swoon worthy photo of him holding um like a service dog service puppy in training. And so it's just Prince Harry snuggling with a puppy, and it's very nice. I like looking at it. That sounds great. I'm, maybe I'll make it my phone wallpaper. That won't be too hard to explain to my husband. Uh, nope, you are you just like the dog. Mm-hmm. Look at that dog. It's so smart. It has a job. So, yeah, I think those are all the notes <laughs> I had. <laughs> those are all the notes I had um, about the various royal dogs. Obviously, there have been a lot over the years, and... We aren't, we've talked a lot about Lupo, so, I mean, do we yeah. want to finish up just with some other fun facts about him, or? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple kind of fun facts about Lupo and his breed, which is, he's an English Cocker Spaniel, he's black, mm-hmm. um, there's many different colors, uh, there's, obviously there's a gold color, there's like 50 different colors. I love, my favorite one like that I know from watching the dog shows is always like, there's a party colored Cocker, and they always call them the party Cocker. And it just, yeah. that's fun to say. <laughs> yeah, so they vary in color and all of that. Um, but yeah, Lupo, I love him so much. Uh, yeah, so he was a gift um, from Kate's brother, James Middleton. And he was actually bred from, um, Carol Middleton actually uh, breeds um, Cocker Spaniels, English Cocker Spaniels. And so they have a dog named Ella. Mm-hmm. So Lupo is, yeah the babe from um mixed with ella and um if you don't know about lupo you've definitely seen him because he is in the first family photo that um will kate and george are in together where they're sitting in the middleton backyard um in um, yeah under and um yeah, Kate's wearing her that pink dress and holding uh baby george mm-hmm. and uh will has uh little lupo and lupo's just got his tongue hanging yep. out because he's just like i'm a dog i'm enjoying my life now what I do. yes yeah and um lupo actually is rumored to have chosen prince george's name um really <laughs> i haven't heard this scattered names <laughs> okay yeah apparently they scattered uh, pieces of paper with names on the ground and they saw which one lupo went for and apparently he he really took to that piece of paper with George's name on it. Did he it. eat it? Because that's, I mean, that's what... Um, that's what I... They don't specify. They just said that, like, he, like, put his nose, like, his little nose went for it. Aw, <laughs> that's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And just like Kate, you know, has the, the Kate effect when she wears, you know, a dress or any type of fashion, it sells out instantly and whatnot. There's also... There was a Lupo effect when... Um, so uh, Lupo was born probably end of 2011, but obviously didn't go home with Will and Kate till probably early 2012. Um, once people found out about Lupo because he, you know, did some outings with mom and dad and uh, Kate and Will at various engagements were just like, oh, yeah, we do have a dog. You know, yeah. Name's Lupo. Um, there was a 50 percent increase, according to the UK Kennel Club, in searches looking for how they could people could get a uh, an English Cocker Spaniel. Mm. And um, so Lupo definitely uh, put 
even though they are one of the most popular breeds in the United Kingdom, uh, they became even more popular as a result of uh, Will and Kate bringing little Lupo home. Aww. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like some of uh, Princess Anne's dogs are not welcome in the presence <laughs> of the Queen's Corgis, Lupo is also apparently not welcome. Um, apparently, they, they, they tried it, and it just didn't seem to take because uh, – English Cocker Spaniels and Cocker Spaniels in general general are kind of energetic and they're really playful. Like, they want to play with dogs. And, yeah. Um, they're just super happy and apparently the Queen's Corgis just don't have that temperament that they, like, want to put up with that. So... No. Uh, it was not a good mix, so Lupo stays home. Yeah. And I don't... I think everyone's probably a lot happier that way because you don't want to have any fights breaking out. No. I think, I, and yeah, and if everyone brought their dogs, like, yeah, there would definitely be issues. So, yeah, I think uh, since the queen is, you know, the queen, she can uh, just have her dogs. Yep. Yeah. And it's, and it's, yeah, and it's not like Lupo's, you know, just left at home. He's got, you know, George and Charlotte to play with, as well as um, you'll often see James, Kate's brother, bringing Lupo for walks around London. Yeah. So, um, I haven't. We haven't had a Lupo sighting in a while, but if we do, you will find out since it's one of my favorite segments. I know. Unfortunately, Lupo Watch has gone dormant because there's yeah. just not a lot of news out there. But you know. Yep. So um, yep. So James Middleton has a black um, English cocker spaniel, and so does Pippa. So it's a family affair. Yay. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. That's been about royal dogs. Those Is there royal anything? pets. I know. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like, just like any, like we talked about at the beginning, it's just, they're just your friends and your pallies. And it's just nice to see that, you know, I feel like it brings a sense of normalcy to their lives. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah, the dog doesn't understand anything. They don't know what royalty is. I mean, they know they're being treated very well and spoiled, but I mean, most dogs yeah. do think that they're, they do deserve um, fresh rabbit and beef uh, served from a hand, by hand from a princess while a footman holds the bowl for the princess. Like, you know, that's a, yeah. a lot of dogs think that, but then also a lot of dogs are content to just like find random, you know, garbage can scraps and try to eat those. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, um, I think that it's probably, you know, the unconditional love that a dog can bring to your life is really nice and it's a good distraction yeah. and it's a good way to kind of give your, give your home life a sense of, um, kind of a, give, gives it a good schedule and yeah, normalcy and, and everything. Because if you're traveling a lot for work, and you can come home and, you know, your dog's so excited to see you. I mean, that has to be nice for them. Especially since they can, you know, obviously they don't have to worry about being able to afford uh, somebody to adequately dog sit for them. So. Definitely. Yeah. Man. So, yeah, this makes me want a dog more than ever now after looking at all these cute puppies throughout history and. Yeah. I guess I'll I'll close with the statement that, you know, obviously we're talking about specific dog breeds here. We're not advocating that any dog needs to be a particular breed. Follow your heart. There are lots of dogs out there who are not specifically corgis or, um, mm-hmm. you know, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, and they all need love. Um, 
And I think that just... They do an act. Dogs are dogs. Meghan yeah, Markle has know. rescue dogs, guys. So... Right. Yeah, and I'm not sure if... I didn't know if I missed it, but I believe Camilla, at least one of her dogs, she rescued from the Battersea dog home. Yeah, that, and that is another thing. Um, Like... I will now talk about my bachelorette party, which was the one of the greatest days of my <laughs> life, which um, Caitlin planned. And as a joke, um, well, kind of as a joke, she said, what did I want to do? And I said, you know, that episode of Parks and Recreation where they have Pawnee Goddess weekend? Can we just do everything they did? So I would like a puppy party and loosely structured craft time and um, you know, just eating a lot of candy. And... You had told me, like, oh, I looked into the puppy party, like, whether or not that can happen. And uh, that only exists in New York, so we can't do that. And I was like, okay, well, that was a long shot. But then you got me one, and it was golden doodles, right? Or Yes. Yeah, they were golden doodle baby dogs, and they were rescue dogs. They were up for adoption. Um, They weren't, you know... I don't know what the story behind them was, but again, you know, even if you're looking for a particular, you know, breeder type of dog, if you have allergies and you want to make sure you get a, a dog that's less likely to aggravate those, or if you, you know, have certain size requirements or something, you can still find other dogs like that um, by looking around at shelters and rescue organizations. Yes. Petfinder.com is extremely helpful. I'm not allowed to go to it because I would yeah. I would have a million dogs if I were allowed to look at that website. And I'm not allowed to have a million dogs. So. Um, and the other thing, I will do my best Bob Barker impersonation and say, help control the pet population and have your, dog, your pet spayed or neutered. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. But I love talking about dogs. Yeah. Yay. They're way too cute. They are. And we don't deserve them as people. And one of these, I do, I I am hopefully getting a dog next spring. Because um, it'll fit in with, you know, where my life will be and the hopeful acquiring of a home with a backyard soon thereafter. So I will, if I do get a dog, this, I'm mostly just probably going to end up talking about that on the podcast. So, you know. Caitlin will have to cover the Royals That's news. That's just fine. And I'll just have Jenna's, Jenna's puppy corner. But yeah. yeah. Oh, he's so cute. I know. Or and then I'll have to come to your house to record well, if- because I would just get distracted by it and just be like, look at you, you're cute. And, you know, pet it the entire time we're talking. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, to wrap everything up, our contact information is as follows. So... You can email us at americrowndreams at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at americrowndreams and on Twitter at americrowndream. Um, please, if you are feeling kind and generous in your heart, uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe if you have not done so already. Um, you know, we are trying to stick to a regular schedule and get these posted on Thursdays every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately sometimes life gets in the way and we end up having a slight delay or something happens like our you know caitlin's fantastic new york vacation comes up um so if you subscribe you'll just automatically figure out when we have a new episode up and um 
I think that will make it easier to make sure you have all of the latest news on the royal family. That's my radio voice. It's not very good. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the Invictus Games over the next... I don't know. When is that? That starts September 23rd, right? I believe? I believe so. So that is this... Right? Saturday? This weekend? I'm going to check. Yeah, Harry has to be headed out there soon, if not already. Yeah, so the 23rd is the Saturday. So um, we will... um, This episode should go up... Let me see if I... On the 21st or 22nd of September. And then the next day, you know, it'll happen. And so then hopefully by the 28th, you'll have another episode that gives you a little bit of background and goes over anything exciting that's happened so far. Yes. Yeah, so. I imagine that the um, the paparazzi will be following Harry quite closely, knowing yeah. that they could potentially get the payoff of a, a Meghan and Harry sighting, which is probably worth a lot of money right now. So I would um, guess. I wonder how, like, I mean, I wonder if there's going to be disguises employed or, like, how they're going to avoid, <laughs> if they're going to do anything right. to avoid scrutiny. Like, I can just imagine. Harry's just not going to leave. The stadium. He's just going to live there. Yeah. I was going to say, i just imagining Harry wearing, like, a bad fake mustache and, like, walking. <laughs> just, like, being like, oh, no, that's my, um, no, I, that, you must have me mistaken. I'm not Prince Harry. I'm. Right. Prince Larry. No. That's, that was dumb. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, all right. I think it's time to wrap it up when Jenna's making those dumb jokes. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you. We'll be back next week. All right. Bye. Bye.